Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Allison Bobbitt. And I am Mike. Your husband. Yeah. And you made me watch Funny Games. I did. The 2007 yes. remake, shot for shot remake, Michael Haneke remade his own movie. In English. Right. The original Funny Games is a 1997 Austrian film. Yes. That starred a real life couple. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They remained married until one of them died. That is sad. Yeah, but he always wanted to do an American remake. So this one stars Tim Roth, not an American. Naomi Watts, not, not an, American. an American. Michael Pitt, Bradley Corbett, and young Devin Gerhardt. Yes. If you're not familiar with the movie, I'll give you a very quick synopsis. It is a romantic comedy. It is not a romantic comedy. Uh, well, it's just a straight up comedy. I mean, funny is in the title. <sighs> Anyway. You want to do the one minute Jesus recap? Jesus fucking Christ. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Time you for one minute. All right. It is a family going up to their vacation house. When they get there, the brother-in-law, they drive by and they're with some guys all dressed in white. And they're like, hey, like, we're here. We can't wait to hang out with you. And he's acting kind of weird. And they're like, oh, that was odd. But the brother-in-law comes over, helps them launch their boat. Shortly afterwards, the guys in white show up, and it turns out they're two sadistic murderers who basically just toy with these people until they kill them off one by one. Uh, and they use the family. It seems like they use the family that they're torturing to find another family to torture them after. And uh, everybody dies. So <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> That's that's pretty much funny games. You have four more seconds. That's funny games. <laughs> uh, traditionally in horror movies, you have someone to root for and that person succeeds. There's a final girl or a redemption scene of some kind. Mm -hmm. And there is none of that in this movie, which I think is so bold and actually really it makes it so interesting and such a standout film because... There are all these instances where you think someone's going to get away or you think like, oh, like there's a knife there. They're going to be able to get away. They're going to be able to to get these people. There's going to be a revenge scene. There's going to be, you know. Yeah, they definitely set up a lot of moments where you're like, OK, the knife in the boat that got knocked onto the ground, that's mm -hmm. going to pay off later. Yeah. Or the the son gets away 
yeah. at one point, but he runs next door to his uncle's house, not, you know, because he's 10, he doesn't realize like, oh, they're all already dead because that's where these guys started. At least that's where they were beforehand. Then he just ends up getting caught and then he ends up getting killed. Like he's the first one that gets killed and it's really upsetting. Yeah. It is so upsetting. It happens off camera, but... You see the aftermath. You see the (laughs) aftermath, and it is so fucking upsetting. Because the parents are both tied up, and it's clear that the son may have tried to run or charged or, or something happened, and one of the guys just shot him. And you can't see much of the kid's body. You just see from, like, the chest down, he's, like, behind a chair. But there's a huge blood splatter on the wall, and... The parents are both just, like, stunned. Oh, yeah. Like, they can't believe what just fucking happened. And Naomi Watts is trying to get, you know, untied. The husband was injured very early on. Like, they broke his kneecap or something. Yeah. So he hasn't really been able to do much because he can't run. He can't walk. Oh, my God. That was such a brutal scene. That was such a brutal scene. It's really neat in the way that it emasculates the father immediately Mm -hmm. like it it cripples him the movie literally cripples him so it's left to naomi watts to try to do everything bold and i think they really play up how much of a pussy tim roth is yeah like there's a scene where the kids have left michael pitt and uh brady Corbett. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to get a phone and Naomi Watts is doing all the work and Tim Roth is just trying to move a chair and sit in a chair and he's like, oh, so she has to keep stopping what she's doing to help him sit. To help him sit down. Yeah. And then she has to like push his chair over. Because what has happened is her cell phone was dropped in the sink into a bunch of water. So it's not, it wasn't working and they didn't have a landline. Right. So she's able to turn it on, but no, you know, phone calls are working because it's still wet a little bit. So she's got a hair dryer on it. She's trying to dry it out. And then there's, you know, she leaves, she jumps out the window, she takes off to try and find help. And he's able to connect to 911, but they can't hear him. So you're sitting there and you're like, I was sitting there waiting. I'm like, okay, well, the police are going to come. Like, they don't. They never come. Nothing, nothing comes of it. Nope. Nothing comes of it. And then Naomi Watts is out on the street. Like, she's trying to go to other houses. Nobody's answering. She's out on the street and she sees headlights coming towards her and she's afraid. So she hides behind a tree. And when a van drives by, she tries to chase after it because she wasn't sure if it was them or not because they have stolen the family's car. Then you see headlights coming again and she's standing in the street and you're wondering, like, is she going to stay in the street? Is she going to hide again? Like, she doesn't know if it's them or not. And then next thing you know, a golf ball that was set up earlier rolls into the house and Tim Roth knows that it means Paul and Peter, which are are two of the aliases, many aliases that they use, are back. And they have Naomi Watts. And they have Naomi Watts. Yeah. And then they start playing mind games with her. They end up shooting her husband right in front of her. They're like, do you want, you know, do you want us to stab him to death or do you want us to shoot him quick and painless? Like, how do you want him to die? Like, he's going to die. But like, how do you want him to die? Like, it's awful. What I think makes it so good and so bold is the fact that Michael Haneke does not look at this as a horror film. Mm -hmm. He looks at it as a social experiment. And you can kind of tell that you're in for something very different because early on, 
Michael Pitt breaks the fourth wall and yes. directly addresses the audience. Mm-hmm. He does and that then a couple th- times. You do get the big redemption scene where Naomi Watts grabs the shotgun and blows away Peter, mm-hmm. Brady Corbett, and Michael Pitt yells and starts looking for the remote control, grabs it, and rewinds the movie itself mm-hmm. to before that happens. So when it plays out again, he gets the shotgun away from yeah, her. Yeah, he stops her. So you kind of realize that this is not going to be a movie that's going to give you any redemption, that these guys no. are in control, mm-hmm. that they're not only playing games with the family in the movie, but they're playing games with you as an audience. Yeah. Letting you know that, hey, you want violence. You want this. Yeah. You want. Because yeah. that's the other thing, is a lot of the violence happens off camera. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that, that happens, happens on, camera. on camera and it gets taken away. Yeah, the son gets killed off camera. The Tim husband... Roth gets hit with the golf club off camera. The dog gets killed off camera. Mm-hmm. Everything happens off camera with the exception of Peter being shot. Yes. And even when Tim Roth, you know, when he's killed, you see him holding the gun or whatever, but there's a couch in the way. So you can't see what's happening. It's done in a way that you don't actually see the violence. You only see the aftermath. Yeah. And it's sort of like a thing, too, where Michael Pitt is like telling you you're as guilty as they are because you're watching this. Yeah. For entertainment. Yeah. What does that say about you? Yeah. After they they kill the son and the husband, they load Naomi Watts into the sailboat. Um, They have her all tied up and she's in, you know, like rain gear or whatever. So they get her in the boat and she finds the knife and you're like, okay, this is finally it. But they see it and they take it away and they just throw it in the water. And then they sit her next to them. But they're having a conversation where they're basically discussing, is this reality? Is this not reality? Like, is it real because we're watching it? Or like, it's technically real because real people are doing it. But like, where's the line? What is real and what is fake? Like, yeah, which kind of makes you even question like, is this supposed to be something that's actually happening or is this supposed to be something that's in someone's head or like how many layers are there to this? It's it's a very um, meta meta conversation that they're having. So they have her sitting between them and one asks the other, what time is it? And he goes, oh, it's after eight. And he kisses Naomi Watts on the cheek and says, ciao, Bella, and pushes her off of the boat. Mm-hmm. And, and she drowns it. off camera. And she drowns off camera. Then they pull up to the another, neighbors. The uh, neighbors. Played who, by Shaban Fallon Hogan, mm-hmm. who I, I really enjoy a lot. Wonderful because, character actress. Yeah, I character love her. actress goes back and forth seamlessly between dramas and, comedy. and comedies. Like she was just for like one season, a cast member on SNL. She's been in What We Do in the Shadows. She's probably most known for playing Vincent D'Onofrio's wife in Men in Black. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she's just a fantastic Yeah, she's character if, when you actor. see her, you will know exactly who she is. Yeah. Um she was in Baby Mama, she's the birthing coach. Yep. I mean, she's in so much stuff. And it's kind of funny her husband in it is uh Robert is played by Robert Lapone, who <laughs> played one of the apostles in Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And he almost like he doesn't even really have any lines. He's just mostly sitting there. I don't even know if he says a word, honestly. Yeah, he might not. Uh um, his 
sister in the movie who doesn't say anything. Yeah, she's just sitting there. The whole is time. played by Susie Haneke, who is Michael Haneke's wife. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guess if she does speak English, she speaks English with a heavy accent. Yeah, that's probably why he didn't have her so, talk. Yeah. there, There's a scene where they're pulling up to Naomi Watts' dock. And she's trying to play it cool, you know, like everything's fine. And she's like, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. How are you? Is it Michael Pitt is with her? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, like, where do you live? And she's like, oh, just around, you know, the bend there. And he's like, which what, which dock is yours? And she's like, oh, the little red one. Like, you know, just like random, you know, little stuff. He's like, oh, that's such a cute little house. I, I love that one. It's so nice. Like, just making, like, rich people conversation. Yeah. But really, like, as soon as they push Naomi Watts off the boat, they dock at her dock, and then the game starts over again. Michael Pitt is such... He picks a lot of these really upsetting roles that makes me feel like he's probably not a pleasant person in real life. But then the flip side of that is Michael Shannon also goes for roles like that, and Michael Shannon is a really funny, delightful guy. Michael Pitt played a pretty fucked up character on Boardwalk Empire. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I first remember him from is he plays Tommy Gnosis in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm -hmm. He also did another movie called Murder by Numbers, which is also inspired by the same two spree killers, Leopold and Loeb, Mm -hmm. from like the 1920s that kind of inspired this movie as well. Mm -hmm. This movie's actually sort of like a remake of, I believe, a Spanish film, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it's a remake of Michael Haneke's own film, which is a remake, I believe, of a a Spanish film. Okay. It's weird because he has such an interesting look. Um, (laughs) He sort of reminds me of, like, he has that sort of face... He sort looks of like, like a um, child almost. Yeah, but what's the name so- of the singer who does that song Roar? I'm blanking on Katie her name. Katy Perry? Yeah, Katy Perry. Like they both have this look that kind of makes them look like they could be related with my cousins, the Weisses. <laughs> like they they have these like very big blue eye, like yeah. these very big blue eyes and he has like a very childlike face. Like even though like he's definitely a man, he has this like very childlike face and then the way that they did his hair so it's like kind of combed over and yeah and it's a I, rich boy haircut i guess I, I don't mean that my cousins look like psychos i just mean that they have like the big eyes the big and, eyes yeah. yeah yeah he's very like doe-eyed it works so well that he's being saying these insane things and doing these insane things because he also has to like he doesn't really yell at all no, no, he's very understated. He's always like, come on, you know, we, we have to play by the rules, okay? Now, does anyone want a sandwich? It's so insane, but it works so well because of the way that, I think a big part is because of the way that he looks and the way that he acts. Oh my God. I just don't know if anyone else could have done it. I mean, aside from whoever played it in the original version but i never watched dawson's creek but i I guess that was like one of his first big roles yeah and i wonder what he was like on that also his very first credit is a tv series called della venture which was a danny aiello series and his character was just named Babyface. Mm. so so it's kind of funny that oh that i say this is um yeah his character in Dawson's Creek, he was on for like 15 episodes. I honestly do not remember who he played. Oh, okay. I watched the show, but I, I really have no idea like who he was on the show. Yeah. I think he was someone's boyfriend. 
If I'm thinking correctly, I think he was a guy that Michelle Williams' character really liked. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed this. I did. I really liked it. It's been a while since I've seen a horror film that's... um, yeah, we watched this on Friday the, the 13th. We did. Because I thought that was kind of fitting. It was. For Friday the 13th. And this was definitely one of those movies that I think you resisted because I told you that the dog dies in it. Yeah. Even though it does happen off camera, but they do show the dead dog. But, like, you don't see blood or anything, and it's clearly, like, just a... Yeah, like, a stuffed dog that just falls out of the back of a car. Yeah, and it's it's from a distance. Like it's not it's not close up. So right. if you're and if you're overly sensitive to that kind of thing. Yeah, it's also one of those things that you know when you it's going to know. happen. So you know when you should shield your eyes if you don't want to see a, a fake dead dog. Yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling that you would have a strong reaction to this, either that you would really like it a lot or you would really hate it. Brady Corbett was also in Melancholia, which mm-hmm. is a movie that I is loved. also upsetting that you loved. So I had a feeling that you were going to love this, and I'm glad that you did really enjoy it. I, it, I did really, really enjoy it. It's, it's definitely one really of those good. movies that is tough to watch again. <laughs> you know, yeah. like well, this is my it's... second time watching it, and I, I'm probably good. Yeah. It's one of those movies where you're like, oh, I can probably watch it like once every few years, maybe. I understand that the original version is much better. And eventually I would like to watch that. Yeah. But I am not in a hurry to do so. Yeah, because it is, it is you know, like I said, there's no revenge. There's no redemption. Everybody loses. The bad guys win. Like, it's so... You, you get no answers. You don't know why they're doing this. You don't this. know why they're doing it. You don't know how many other people they've done it to. You don't know you don't get, who they You don't are. even get their names because no, they call themselves Peter and Paul and then they call themselves... Tubby. Tom, and, Tommy and Tubby. And yeah, they, they just keep calling... Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and, and Butthead. Yeah. And they just keep, you know, making shit up. Like, you don't know who they are. You don't know, like, how they even know each other. Like... You have no idea. Have yeah, Michael no Pitt idea. gives them backstories, but then he gives them alternate, completely different backstories. Mm. And it's really a really frustrating movie. It is a frustrating movie, but it's it's really good. It's very well acted. Oh, yes. Um, it is. Oh, God. It, it is. Even the kid, which I'm surprised that he didn't go on to do a whole lot more yeah, things. He was this really good. Kid, it takes place over the course of 12 hours, yeah. but they had to film it over weeks. Mm-hmm. So this kid shot after shot day after day has to bring himself on the edge of hysterics. And yeah. he is bringing it. He is bringing it. Like, like, he's, he's shuddering with fear. Yeah, because he basically has to watch his parents watch his parents tortured to that and know that he's going to die yeah. in 12 hours yeah especially because so one of the scenes that when he escapes he runs to his un- aunt and uncle's house and he's been very excited to see his cousin jenny and the uncle when he sees him says oh jenny's not here because she's been killed yeah and he f- he finds jenny's body you don't see it you just see the legs like sticking out from one of the out of a doorway and when he says like they killed jenny that's when you realize oh yeah no they are gonna kill this kid like they're not gonna kill the parents and be like peace out like mm-hmm. they don't discriminate they're going to fucking kill you guys yeah it's it's awful the movie is so good but oh it's it is hard to watch it is hard to watch oh yeah i'm glad that you watched it though and i'm glad that you 
are also glad that you watched it. I was going to say enjoyed it, but that is not the right word. Yeah, I'm glad that I watched it. I think it's it's a different way to do a horror movie. And I love seeing that. I love seeing horror take a risk and seeing it pay off. Like even though it's it's not a movie where there's a big payoff, really, but it's it still works. Does that make sense? Like, it's still a good, like, it's a good movie. I've only seen two Michael Haneke movies. I've seen this and a more. Neither are movies that are huge on story, but both movies are phenomenal at making you feel. Yeah. (laughs) Because a more is a movie about an elderly couple at the end of their lives. And oh my God, it is excruciatingly Mm -hmm. painful to watch and i watched that on the road doing comedy in florida i found a small art house actually it was a large art house but i found an art house theater Mm -hmm. that was playing it and i was like oh i want to see this and it was definitely one of those movies where i watched during the day and then at night i was like okay I'm gonna go try to be funny now. Yeah, yeah. So. I remember you told me you were like, so I went and saw more because I said I didn't want to see it because I knew what it was about, and I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't want to watch that. It sounds too sad. So you went and saw it on the road, and you told me about it, and I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't see it. And you were like, I just it really made me feel a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like you were, you were going through it after watching that movie. God, I had such a habit when I was doing comedy on the road a lot. I had such a habit of finding the most upsetting movies to watch right before I would have to go on stage and try to be funny. I don't know why you would do that. A I challenge, mean, I guess. I guess. I, I mean, you. I will say this about you. You do like a nice rom-com and you do like a very sad movie. Yeah. You really like to go from one extreme to the next. <laughs> like, which is funny because I've never seen The Notebook, which I guess tra- oh, really? like, checks both of those boxes. <laughs> it's a sad movie. And uh, is it a rom-com or is uh, it just a sad romantic movie? It's just a romantic movie. I don't okay. know. There's really a lot of... Nah, it's not funny. It's fine. It's People love it. Yeah. I thought it was fine. <laughs> I would watch it again. Okay. I can actually put that in my on my yeah, list. Put it on your list. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. Okay. Well, that was the 2007 remake of Funny Games. Yeah. Thank you for suggesting it. We're going to have guests join us next week for a movie yes. that I was going to say is a lot lighter than Funny Games, but um, that'd be setting the bar really low. Yes. But I'm excited to bring these people. I will be introducing you to a movie and this couple, one of them will be introducing their partner to the movie too. Mm -hmm. So uh, this will be fun. So tune in next week to find out who's on the show and what movie we're going to talk about. Yeah. All right. As always, join us in the Facebook group. Let us know what you thought about funny games. Or is there a movie that breaks the fourth wall that was really effective for you? Or what one was that the- didn't follow the normal genre formula that yeah. you thought was really well done. Right. Because like, I, I think we've asked what's the most upsetting horror movie you've ever seen. Yeah. But hereditary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hereditary. Yeah. Hereditary is fun. Fuck. Up. Oh, oh, Antichrist. Can't can't ever watch that one again, ever. Oh, well, just so you know, Dancer in the Dark is on my list of movies to show you. Great, I'm so excited. It's not Antichrist upsetting, but it's Lars von Trier upsetting. You're welcome. 
I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. I believe it's Bjork's first and last movie that after making it, it was such an upsetting experience for her that she was like, I am done making the movies because <laughs> Lars von Trier is a monster. I don't think that's how Bjork sounds. I think it's just I that think, impression. I think this is how Bjork sounds. I don't think so, but okay. Bjork says, it's all so quiet. It's all so upsetting to make movies with Las Fontaine. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. David Morse from St. Elsewhere is in Dancer in the Dark with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, as always, for listening to You Made Me Watch. Allison and I both appreciate it very yeah. much. Until next That's- week, keep being real, keep being you. Keep being awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.